Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. We're in a brand new series entitled Love Is, uh, and we want to talk about this subject of love and just get it embedded in our, in our hearts as disciples of Jesus. And so I want to invite you today to open up your Bibles with me to the book of 1 John. Uh, 1 John is one of my favorite books of the Bible, and I would love to encourage you to do something for me. No matter what campus you're at, no matter where you're listening to this or watching this at, I would love for you to do something with me throughout this series, and it is to read 1 John weekly and 1 Corinthians 13 daily. Now, this would be a wonderful habit for you to do at all times, uh, but especially during this series, 1 John weekly, 1 Corinthians 13 daily. So the whole book of 1 John weekly uh, and uh, the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 daily, I believe if you do that, it will truly be transformative for you because we are changed by the renewing of our mind. And what we want is love on the brain. Uh, This is what we're shooting for in this series, how to walk in love God's way. And there's many reasons for this, but one of the chief ones is what we're going to look at today, and that is love is light. Love is light. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to look here in verse number 7. I'm reading out of the the New American Standard Bible. It says this, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. I like that. The darkness is passing away and the true light is shining. Why don't you just say that with me? Uh, no matter where you're at, I know everybody loves doing this in church. It always used to irritate me as a kid. It's like, ah, I thought you were hired to talk. Why are you making me talk? Uh, but now uh, I enjoy it. So why don't you say that with me? Say the darkness is passing away and the true light is beginning to shine. Amen. In Jesus' name. Uh, He says in verse number nine, the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Uh, Two phrases here, the light and the darkness. Uh, We see that phrase mentioned several times, walking in the light 
And if we're, we're wise, walking away from and out of the darkness. Uh, now, the light sounds incredibly pleasing, and the darkness sounds like something I don't want to be a part of. But what in the world does that mean? When I was writing this series, you know, Love Is, honestly, in my mind, I'm like, I'll just run through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patience. Week one, patience. You know, just kind of go through it. But as I began studying this subject, I could not get away from this passage of when I'm walking in love, I am walking in the light. And when I'm walking in darkness uh, and, and, and walking in hatred, I am walking in the darkness. Uh, now, before I kind of talk about what love is here and what hatred is here, because I think this is an important distinction, I, I immediately thought that the Lord was going to take me down a path that he took me down several years ago. I was studying on how to be led by the Spirit of God, and I could not get away from First John. And I'm like, you know, this is good, but like, I'm kind of looking more at like Acts and like those types of things, maybe First Corinthians 12, 14. Uh, but I could not get away from First John. And one of the things you see in First John is God is what? What is God? God, you sounded so good here at Lakeland. I hope you sounded as good at Highland Colony in Fondren because this made me very proud that I have pastored you for 20 years. Uh, you knew the answer to that. God is love. Uh, and out of this, uh, I kept going back to that phrase, and one of the things that the Lord really dealt with me on in that season of my life is God is love. And I cannot say I am sensitive to God if I am not sensitive to love. Oftentimes, even with Christian people, and even hear pastors lately, when I'm watching them preach, I'm like, where is love in that? Where is love in that? Because sometimes the words are right, but the spirit is wrong. God is love. And if I am not sensitive to love... I cannot say I'm sensitive to God. And so if I want to be led by God, I must learn how to be led by love. And if love can't constrain me, God can't guide me. Come on, somebody. If love can't compel me, God can't lead me. Because the more sensitive I am, and if I can train myself to be sensitive to the love of God, I will train myself to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, because God is love. The love of God has been, if you're a believer, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. And so out of that, it'll arrest you. You'll, you'll start to, to maybe say something and something on the inside about somebody, something on the inside will kind of pull you back. Or you'll say it and something on the inside will kind of grieve you on the inside. What is that? That's the love of God. And if you can learn to be sensitive to that, uh, you can learn to be sensitive to God, and you will open yourself up to guidance. And immediately, that's where my mind went with light. Like when I'm walking in the light, I'm being led by God. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so I thought, well, I'll teach on that. God is love. To be sensitive to love is to be sensitive to God. And out of that sensitivity to, to have love constrain me and compel me, it'll open up God's leading in my life. And I'll not stumble in the darkness. But the more I meditated on that, I'm like, that's not it either. The light. The darkness. Uh, and there is like a deep-seated spiritual meaning there. And I just sensed it so big in my heart. And I'm like, Father, you got to show me what this is. 
And so I want to talk about that today, but first, I want to notice the distinction between these two words. He said, if you're walking in love, you're walking in the light. If you're walking in hatred, he who hates his brother, because love is its brother's keeper. He who hates his brother uh, is walking in the darkness. And uh, I think when I look at my life, it's like, I don't hate people. Mushrooms, whole nother story. Uh, But people, uh, it's a fungus, uh, everyone. Mushrooms are fungus. It shouldn't be on pizza. It belongs in forests, in damp, dark places. Uh, So when I think of hatred, I don't think of like me having a problem hating people. Um, But um, this word hate does not mean like um, an utter like blah. It's Literally, in your your closet today, when you were getting dressed, some of you have items that you always use when you're you're going through. It's like that. It's reliable. Uh, I know I can trust it. And so you choose it often. But then you have other pieces of of clothing in your um, uh, closet that you esteem less. You don't pull them out much. You don't look at them. You don't wear them. You don't really like them. Maybe they don't fit you in this season. And so they don't even get looked at. They don't even get noticed. They don't get seen. It gets skipped over. It gets walked by. And uh, the other items have preferential treatment. They get seen, they get noticed, they get worn, they get used. This is hatred according to this passage of scripture. This word hatred literally means to have some you esteem and others you skip over. Um, When the the story of the Good Samaritan, that is a form of hatred. I'm not even going to stop and look at it. I'll continue on my journey and I won't even look at that. I won't notice the pain of what's going on here because it's just easier to drive around it. Uh, I won't notice the affliction of my brother and sister. Uh, I won't see their heartache. I don't, don't want to see their pain. Uh, I'll just go past it. Or they deserve it. They've sinned. They've messed up. They've acted that way. They're getting everything that should come to them. And so I don't care. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they do. I don't care about them. These types of things bring us over into this issue, the love issue. Because if there's one thing God cares about, it is us. It is his people. And when one goes astray, what does he do? He goes after the one. Uh, When the good Samaritan, when someone is broken, he's saying, go thou and do likewise. Who is my neighbor? Whoever is broken and hurting. You see them. See the wounds. See the affliction. Don't blame the thief and and come in here and just say, well, they should fix it and not my problem. It's like, no, let your heart be moved with compassion and do what you can. Uh, The love of God constrains us from, from talking about people. We are not of those who sit around our dinner tables and just bash people. That is not us. We are Christians. We, we, we are famous for our love in Jesus' name. And when, when people Google why are Christians, the autofill should put loving and forgiving. And, but you know what it does instead? Not for us uh, in Jesus' name, but when you put in like why are Christians so and then let autofill pick, it's like hypocritical, judgmental. 
uh, critical, uh, like all those types of things. How many of you know we should be famous for our love for people and not for the perfect people, for the hurting people, for the wounded people? Uh, That while we were in sin, God demonstrated his love for us and sent his son Jesus to die for us in our sin. Yes, even then. And Jesus said, you know how you should love people? As I, oh, come on now. You know how you should love people? As I have loved you. And while you were in your sin, he came and found you. To walk in love is to walk this way. Uh, when we see people going off course, we do not condemn, we pray. Uh, at, our, at our family table, we, we don't just sit there and say, can you believe so? We, we, we stop and we say, Father, we thank you. You open up the eyes of, of their understanding. Let them see what is the hope of their calling. Let them be filled with the inheritance of the saints. Let them be rooted and grounded in love. How many of you know, uh, if God can open up the eyes of Saul and turn him into Paul, God can open up the eyes of anybody and change their life. But he's got to have people who will pray for him. Well, what about government leaders and those who are in authority? The Bible says to pray for him, that you may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. See, we can't curse something and expect to be blessed by it. We are not of those who curse. We are those who speak life. We call those things that be not as though they are. We come to a place where we embrace the love of God. Um, because we are born of a love God and we are a love people. And so when we think about these issues, they're real life issues. And no matter who you are, uh, we all wrestle with this because we've all been disappointed by people. We've been disappointed by government. We've been disappointed by relatives. We've been disappointed by uh, spouses. Not me. You are perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Other people have been disappointed by spouses. Uh, Our kids disappoint us. Our parents disappoint us. Uh, All these types of things. And what does it test when we are disappointed? When we are disappointed in all of these things and all of these people, what does it test? It tests our love. And if we can maintain love, we not only maintain love, we maintain the light. And to to get over into this place where we're not maintaining love, we are inviting the darkness. And I asked the Lord, I'm like, can you show me this like in scripture? Because I think I kind of understand, but if you could like give me a story or something like that, or even in my own life, if you could give me a story. It's funny, I asked you that and the Lord showed me. (laughs) Can can you be humble enough to accept my flaws? Uh, Fondren, humble enough to accept that I am flawed. Um, So out of this, I asked the Lord, I'm like, give me an example of like this. He's like, how about Tuesday? (laughs) I'm like, what? Uh, And he's like, remember when you got angry and there was something I got angry about, just, you know, something. Uh, And I took it to a point where, like, I showed people I was angry about it. It was a staff kind of issue. I was just unhappy with something. It was underperformance. And so, anyway, with myself as well. And so, anyway, I'm there, and he's like, when you were angry, he's like, what did you sense? I'm like, well, I don't know. What did I sense? He's like, go back to that moment in your mind. What did you sense? He's like, could you feel the light, or did you sense something else? Now, when's the last time you've been angry? What did you sense there? Was there a lightness and a a breeze of beauty and a grace for the moment? Or or did you sense a heaviness? 
and um, uh, an, an urgency of the flesh, a sharpness of the tongue. What is that? The darkness. Um, so every time I'm walking in love, I'm inviting the light. Every time I walk outside of love, I'm inviting the darkness. And a life well lived is a life lived in the light. Um, I want to be in the light. I want to live in the light. Um, and the perfect example of this in Scripture is Saul and David. Uh, you know the story in the Old Testament. Uh, Israel came to God and said, we want to be like everybody else, which how many of you know is always dangerous? Uh, I want to be like everybody else. Really? Really? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, they look at all these other nations and they're like, all these other nations have kings. We want a king. And God's like, I'm your king. And they're like, well, we kind of know, but we'd like a king we could see. Uh, and those types of things. And so God gave them their request. But the whole time he's answering their request, they are in the permissible will of God, not the perfect. And it hurt them. Because when you get out of the perfect will of God, and how many of you know God will let you do a lot? But not everything is his will for you. Uh, and it pays to search out his will. Uh, and so they get over into the permissible will of God, but God says, okay, you want a king? I'm going to give you a king. I'll raise him up. And there's a young man by the name of Saul who the light is about to shine on him. And uh, when the light begins to shine on this young man, one of the things you'll see about the light all throughout Scripture, whenever it shines, uh, is that people begin walking out what is the will of God for their life. Because this is one of the chief uh, reasons for the light, is to light your path. Uh, there are paths God has us for. You weren't born, just born. You were sent to walk a path, to finish a race, to do a set work. And the light shows you that path. And so sometimes you'll be led by the Spirit of God intentionally in prayer, light will come and you'll see where you're to walk. But God even helps us with unconscious leadings. And if you look back at your life, you may see some of these things. Saul could have done it here. Uh, but there's a moment where his uh, donkeys go missing and his dad's like, go get the donkeys. And so he goes to look for these donkeys and he's gone for a couple of days. And finally he turns to his friend and he's like, look, uh, my father cares more about us than the donkeys. And if we go missing with the donkeys, he'll be more upset. Let's just go home. And his friend is like, no, 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 no. He's like, let's give it one more shot. Over in this city, there's a prophet, a seer. And if we pay him, maybe he'll see where the donkeys are. And Saul's like, ah, he's like, come on, just trust me. And what he doesn't know is, is that he's walking towards the light and in the light is leading. And sometimes it's unconscious leading. You don't even know why you came to church today. You just came. That type of thing. Like you're just coming into these places where, where it's like God is subtly trying to maneuver your life towards his will and plan for you. And Saul walks in there, and what he doesn't know is that the prophet Samuel, the seer they're going to go see, has been praying. And long before the donkeys were lost, the Lord showed him something. Let's find out what that is. Let's go over to 1 Samuel, and we'll look here in chapter number 9. In verse number 15, 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 15. Now, a day before Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, saying, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you will anoint him prince over my people Israel. 
And he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have regarded my people because their cry came before me. When Samuel sees Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall rule over my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell us where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered and, uh, Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you will eat with me today, and in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. As for you donkeys, this is pretty cool. As for you donkeys, which were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom, and now notice this, this is where it's going to get interesting. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Walking in the light. Is it not for you and for your father's household? And Saul replied, I am not a Benjamite, and I am of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family is the least families of the tribes of Benjamin. Why then do you speak to me this way? Why? The light. The light is shining on him. And God comes and he takes this young man and turns him into king. And one, one of my favorite verses of scripture in this story is uh, chapter 10 and verse 1. It said, then Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on his head, kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? I mean, is that not beautiful? You, you see like affection and warmth. And you see anointing and power and promise. Like when you read this, what do you see? Like a hope and a future. Life's about to change. God's about to move. Like his anointing is coming on me. What is it? It's the light. And when you walk in the light, this is you. You're feeling affection. You're feeling warmth. It's like God's power is coming upon you. And is life perfect? Nope. Uh, But it's moving towards a direction that is desirable. There's a, there's a hope. Your soul is hopeful. There's a vision to you. And you see throughout the process of his story, when he's walking in the light, you see him changed into another man. You talk about walking in the light being a benefit of like, how often do us uh, look at ourselves and think, I want to change. Like, I want to be a different person. In fact, God, if you could give me anything, freedom from being the man that I am over into the man I know I can be would be a great gift. Uh, and he's changed into another man. So much so they're looking at him like, is that Saul? God's power's coming upon him, and you know what happens? He's winning in some things. There were some, some enemies that came up, and he won so much. You're like, yep, that's our king. And they, they make him king, and you see, like, God comes to the, 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 the certain people, and it says God touched their heart to join themselves to him. And you see God like linking up people with them and people coming alongside to help him. What is it? It's the light. It is God arranging people, places, and things for his will to be done in the life of Saul. It is God coming alongside of him to fill him up with everything that could be desirable for his race and for his course. He is walking in the light. But anytime you walk in the light, you can rest assured the enemy is coming to try to take you out of it and take you into the darkness. And he uses two things. You see it in the life of Saul, but you also see it um, in, in the, the life of David. And we're, we'll talk about him in a minute. You see two things that happen. You see specific instruction begin to be ignored. And you see general instruction that is for every person begin to be stepped out of. 
Uh, for all of us, God will give you specific instruction. For Adam and Eve, it's like, don't eat that fruit. For Samson, it's don't cut your hair. Uh, for Saul, it was the Amicalites, kill all of them. <laughs> and, and all of the stuff, like wipe it out. And when you see people begin to disobey specific instruction, you see the darkness begin to roll in. Adam does the thing God tells him not to do, violates specific instruction. God's telling me to eat more fruit. I don't know about you, uh, but for him, it's like, do not do that. This tree, don't eat of that. He gets specific instruction that is solely for him. God deals with his heart about a specific thing. When he breaks out of that specific instruction, what does he invite into his life? Darkness. God tells Samson, do not cut your hair. I'm, I'm telling my sons all the time, you got to cut your hair. But for Samson, uh, God tells him, don't do it. Specific instruction. When Samson has his hair cut, what does he invite into his life? The darkness. Um, for, for Saul, God tells him to do something. And on two separate occasions, uh, God is leading him over into these things, and he chooses not to do it. And when he does this, he invites darkness into his life. And, and God comes to, to Samuel. He says, it wounds my heart that I made him king. That's something. And he's like, it's time we have to move on. And the light comes on a young man by the name of David. And you know this. But here's what I want you to see in David's story. David's life was sitting in natural darkness. His father didn't see him. His brothers didn't see him. He was in the dark. But how many of you know, it doesn't matter who doesn't see you. It doesn't matter where you're at. If God's light shines on you, it can take a shepherd and make him king. And they come, Samuel comes to Jesse's house and he's like, bring your sons. And he brings all the sons but David and he stands before Eliab and he says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Surely the light is coming on him. And the Lord said, nope. For he says, God doesn't see as man sees. You look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Now this is key. What does God look for for where his light goes? The heart. What's going on in here? How do you see people? How do you see yourself? How do you see the Lord? Do you love the Lord enough to obey his commandments? Do you love the Lord enough to kill the Amicalite? Do you love the Lord enough to not eat of the fruit? Do you love the Lord enough not to cut the hair when he tells you not to cut the hair? Do you love the Lord enough to step out of the boat? Do you love the Lord enough to fill the water pots up to the brim? Do you love the Lord enough to walk around the city and then shout after you're done? Like, do you love the Lord enough to obey him and to serve him? And then secondly, do you love one another as he has loved us? And coming into this place, and for Saul, he begins to not obey the Lord, and he violates this specific instruction, and the darkness comes into his life. But here David is in this place that has a heart submitted to God. He's out there worshiping in the field, and you read the book of Psalms to see how big of a worshiper God was, and the light of, of God shines upon David. And David begins to see all the things that Saul once saw. He begins to see promotion. He begins to see victory. He begins to see peace. He begins to see even Saul's own son and daughter begin to become um, uh, acclimated to him and wants to help him and join up with him. And, and all of this begins to kind of break out and Saul sees this moment of here's this young kid with the light of God on him and he's slaying lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and giants. And all of these things and victory is on him. Why? It's not just David being uber talented. 
The light of God is on this young man. You know what the light of God can do for you? May his face shine brightly upon you. What does that mean? This. It's things are working. Things are clicking. Things are flowing. In the light, the path is easy to walk. No occasion of stumbling. And Saul is watching this in David's life. And it gets to this point where Saul sees the light on David. He's like, let's use the light. So he sends him out to all the battles and David wins them all. And he comes back and you know the parade happens and the ladies are like, David has slain his tens of thousands, Saul's his thousands. And all of a sudden, Saul is about to disobey not just a specific instruction, but a general one. Everybody in this room, you got a different race to run. Your race is different than mine. What God will tell you to do is different when God's told me to pastor this church. God's told me to, to open up campuses. God's told me to do some other things. If I do those things, I, I obey. If I don't do those things, I, I violate specific instruction. You have specific things I do too. But God's told all of us a new commandment I give you. A new commandment I give you. What is it? Love one another. Love one another. Be patient, be kind, be sweet, be gentle, be long-suffering. Don't be inflated with pride. Take no account of an evil done to you. Forgive, be merciful, do no harm. Be moved with compassion. When you see your brother in need, help him. Visit the widow and the orphan. When you see someone hungry, feed him. When you see someone naked, clothe him. Whatever you've done in the least of these, you've done. this is the way general instruction for us all. And when Saul sees David, he begins to violate love. You know what he does? He starts to do harm. And he picks up a spear and he tries to kill David. David gets out of the way. It happens twice. I don't know. Once would have been enough for me to get out of the room. But it happens twice. David stays loyal though. He's got a heart of love. Because of that, he's in the light. Finally, Jonathan comes to David. This is Saul's own son. He tells him, you got to get away from my daddy. He's going to kill you. And David goes into the wilderness, a place of natural darkness. Saul is in the palace. He's in a palace, got all the food, got all the money, got all the resources, but no light and is miserable. He begins to lose his health. He begins to lose his mind. Evil spirits begin to torment him. He begins to lose his family. He begins to lose his reason. He begins to lose his kingdom. He begins to lose sound judgment. He's got everything in the natural, but no light in the spirit. David is out in natural darkness, in a wilderness, but he's got the light of God on him. And you see God touching the hearts of people to go join him in the wilderness. You see the protection of God come to him, the provision of God come to him. Because how many of you know man may put you in a place, but it doesn't matter where man puts you. If God's light is on you, God can bring provision right there. It's not worth your mental health. It's not worth fellowshipping with demons. Come on. It's not worth the darkness. It's not worth all that mess. It's not worth losing a home. It's not worth losing kids. It's not worth it. We got to walk in the light. Well, how do we do that? Love does no harm. And David there is in a cave, a physical dark place, but with the light of God on him. And all of a sudden, an invitation to the darkness comes upon his heart. 
a pull towards the darkness. Saul has walked in the cave. He's all alone. And everyone around David is being used by the enemy as an invitation of darkness, trying to get him to talk about him, trying to get him to judge him, trying to get his hand upon him. You deserve it. He's done bad to you. You can do bad to him. And so he takes this invitation, David does, and he takes out his knife and he's going up. He's about to kill Saul. He's like, I can't do it. And so he just cuts a a little bit of Saul's robe and he holds it up in his hand. But I love the Bible. It says when, when he did this, his heart smote him. Why did God pick him? God looks not as man sees. For man sees the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He had a heart of love. David was so imperfect, but he loved God and he loved people. When Absalom died, he wept. Saul died, he wept. These were all his enemies. Tried to take everything from him. He wept for him. Imperfect. Heart of love. And he's holding this in his hand and he's like, I can't do it. Ah! And so he walks out of the cave. And Saul's, you know, out there. He, he didn't even know it was happening to him. And he's, he's like, Saul. And then he says this. I cried once when I read this. Just see the honor. He said, my father. My father. Who has told you that my hand is on you? For you were in that cave just then. And I could have killed you. And everyone told me I ought to. But I have this piece of robe, and when I took it from you, my heart smote me because my hand is not against you, even though your hand is against me. And in a moment of clarity, Saul looks at David, and you know what he sees? The light. And he said, for now I know God is going to give you the kingdom. And he says something very sad. He said, and all I ask is that you take care of my family when I'm gone. So far into the darkness. You read 2 Samuel chapter 1, you know what you see, Saul? You see him die by his own spear. The same spear he threw at David was the same spear he died by. Somebody says, well, they'll get away with it. No, they won't. But you don't have to be the judge. You don't have to be the juror, and you don't have to be the executioner. In this life and the next, God is a righteous judge. He's a loving father. But he is a righteous judge. And not only did he die by the hand of his own spear, but he died by the hand of an Amicalite. Because the thing that God asks you to deal with, if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. I don't know about you. I want to be in the light. Oh, come on, church. I don't know about you. I want to be in the light. I want to be in the light like he is in the light. I want to come out of darkness. I want to make no provision for the enemy, no provision for attack. I want to have God's light come so strongly upon us, upon me, upon you, that we can shine a light all over this nation, shine a light all over this world, shine a light right in the heart of Jackson, Mississippi. Going to let his light shine. Amen. Let me pray for you. Let's close in worship. Father, we come before you out all of our campuses, Lord, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. We want to walk in the light as you were in the light. And Father, we just surrender every bit of offense, every bit of irritation, 
And we say, Father, let your Holy Spirit lead us into the light. Show us anybody we need to forgive. Uh, Guard our hearts and our mouth anytime we're speaking in a way that would invite darkness. Father, we thank you. We are not the judge. We are loved people born of a loved God. And Father, we thank you. We will love one another even as you have loved us. Father, we thank you as far as the east is from the west are our transgressions this morning. But Father, we thank you as far as the east is from the west is our strife against someone else. Father, we thank you. We will have no strife between us, no strife between family members, no strife that their hand may be upon us. But Father, we say our hand will not be upon them. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for the strength to live a love life. And Father, we invite the light that comes with love into each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.